Tonight, what are the do's and don'ts when it comes to transitioning? Well, sit right back and I shall reveal all. It's Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and this is the Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. the Nicholas Sapita fiasco, I began to ponder just what are the rules when it comes to transitioning. Nicholas Sapita is a 50-year-old man who currently identifies as a woman. He's taken on the name Melody Wiseheart. That's right, Melody Wiseheart. I know, kind of sounds like the moniker a porn starlet would brandish, doesn't it? I don't know exactly what's the purpose of this. That's oh, why I'm trying I'll to... I'll tell you, sir, we were tipped off by concerned parents of swimmers that um, a 50-year-old man got to compete against teenage girls at a Friday event um, we're just wondering, how does a 50-year-old male get to compete with teenage girls? Well, it's not... Actually, I don't think that it happened because I'm actually the competition coordinator for this meet. I do not recall there's a 50-year-old man swimming in here on the Friday competing with little kids. Now, at first, I thought maybe we were the victims of a hoax. Good thing we had the paperwork to prove otherwise, and that's when this story itself transitioned. So what happened is that, yes, I, it's my mistake. We did actually, indeed, there was someone actually swimming on that, okay? However, That would be actually, Melody, right? Well, I don't know exactly because I oh, wasn't person. So there's I'm, no name on that list? Or? Yes, there's a lane in here. That's why I'm saying I'm validating whatever the he, she that you have is correct. Okay. However, the meet was open age sections. Okay. So what happened is, that session is actually allow any age swimmer. I don't, don't get into with me on age because it's all based on what Swimming Canada's registration. But Mr. Chan, what I don't understand is that nine out of the 10 participants were female and either 13 or 14, and the 10th participant was a male, 50 years of age. Okay, so as I said, don't talk about gender for me because I do not know because the registration, whatever they enter, this is, a 13 years old girl. Yes. So the registration in Swimming Canada, as I say, when the entries comes in, we're validating. We only have a girl and male event. So what happened is that whatever registration in Swimming Canada for that swimmer, whatever gender, it goes into whichever event. So there you have it. At this competition, there was no category for 50-something transgender people, so Nick had to swim somewhere. But if he had to be accommodated, why not swim with older male swimmers as opposed to teenage girls? I think this is what makes the Nicholas Apita case somewhat unique. Unfortunately, male gender-bending grifters in the sports world who demand to play with females, that's not new. Just check out the infamous Ash Davis, who plays rugby for the Fergus Highlanders female team, even though this inclusion runs contrary to world rugby guidelines. But hey, in Blackface's Canada, just about anything goes. We wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, after all, even if they might be mentally ill. 
But again, the unique thing about Nicholas is that not only is he identifying as a female, but also as a teenager. Holy contributing to the delinquency of minors. Indeed, am I being overly insensitive here when I raise the alarm about a naked mature male presumably hopping in the shower with nude female minors? This is beyond disturbing. Indeed, once upon a time, this would have been a criminal offense, but, oh, that was yesterday, folks, a truly unenlightened era, back when a person with a penis was called a man and a person with a vagina was called a woman. What backward thinking, eh? For today, it's no longer I think, therefore I am, but rather I identify as fill in the blank, therefore I am. Anyway, while we don't have any video of Magnificent Melody in the pool, we did find a clip of him pontificating online. Here, check it out. I think I'm going to start off the talk with a little secret. My secret that I, I actually do tell my undergrads, thankfully fourth-year undergrads, so they don't realize this early in their career. Massing or cramming for an exam actually works really well. And in many cases, cramming for an exam is better than spacing. Oh, is that your secret, Melody? Methinks you're harboring another secret south of the equator under your dress, if you catch my drift. You know, your own personal crying game. I mean, is the Me Too mo movement already extinct? And where or where are the feminists, or do they subscribe to that asinine chant of trans woman or real woman? Now, I did reach out to the governing body, Swimming Canada, and to his credit, spokesman Nathan White did get back to me. I point this out because the rugby authorities in Ontario and Canada continue to embrace the silent treatment regarding the Ash Davis fiasco. And really, how odd is that? that such a masculine sport like rugby is run by a bunch of cowards, eh? Anyway, I asked White about the change room issue. Here's what he said. I guess I would ask why you're targeting one individual. And again, I'd remind you, you know, things like change room policies, those are set by facilities based on the law of the land and the, you know, the human rights codes, um, so I believe. I believe the standard in Ontario is any person can use a change room or washroom that they identify with. Okay, if White is correct that this is a law of the land issue, there's little Swimming Canada can do about change room etiquette, I suppose. But surely the swim authorities can prevent a 50-year-old man from swimming with 13- and 14-year-old girls. Well, apparently not. Well, I, I mean, as you're ramping up your swimming coverage now, and I, you know, we're really looking forward to all the swimming coverage you'll be doing, especially on women's swimming. Um, I, I understand that that might be on on the surface looks strange, uh, especially the age discrepancy. That said, when a meet is run as an open meet, there are situations where that happens. Um, it could be a national team swimmer who's coming back from an injury and hasn't had a chance to post a time, perhaps to qualify for a meet. We've had situations where big-name Olympians have swum against kids in, say, a provincial championship because they need to compete in a sanctioned meet. 
again, without knowing the specifics about this individual, I think a reasonable assumption would be they were looking to post perhaps a time to qualify for a, perhaps a World Masters meet, and maybe they don't have a Masters meet available to them, which is normally where you would see athletes of that age competing. And in some of these meets, all the competitors get thrown in based on their seed time, and that's what happened in this case. But wouldn't it be, Nathan, more appropriate if this man competed in the male category and since he's 50 um the oldest category there is and i'm not sure what that was maybe 17 18 year old males were competing uh it, it just makes everyone scratch their heads why he chose to swim with 13 and 14 year old girls well the person wouldn't have made the choice the meat would have been seated according to how it was registered and, so, again, but what would knowing all the specifics of every every meet that happens in Canada every weekend? It appears they were seated by time, and the people in that heat um, all had similar entry times. And in this case, that person didn't have anyone close to them in age. And I I understand why that age number stands out, but in this case, you know the rules and registration policies were followed. Look, I concede that Mr. White has forgotten more about swimming than I'll ever learn. But I think there was a way around this issue, which is to say, create a transgender masters category for which there was one entrant, namely Nicholas Sapita. Hey, Nick, here's your trophy. Congratulations. You don't even have to shower or get in the pool for that matter. You win by default, big guy. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Indeed, how's that for accommodation? But instead, we have a Karate Kramer situation occurring right before us. Do you remember that classic episode of Seinfeld back in the 1990s before everything got so painfully woke? Amazing, what was once parody a few decades ago has become reality today. But back to the rules of transitioning. A guy can self-identify as a gal and vice versa. What if a 13-year-old says he or she identifies as, say, a 20-year-old, can that person now buy alcohol or tobacco or lottery tickets? If not, why not? Surely we are at a point in society where it is cruel and against human rights legislation not to recognize someone for who or what they claim to be, right? Indeed, mere gender bending is so lame these days, given that we have people transitioning into different species. Case in point, Cody Dentremont, a.k.a. Desiree Anderson. He's the guy who first claimed he was a she in order to get into a woman's shelter in Windsor, Ontario. Can you possibly imagine what happened next, folks? Yep. 
he was charged with sexually assaulting a female resident, as in a real female resident of the shelter. Shockers. Shortly after that, Cody transitioned into a cat. No, I swear, folks. Now, a few months ago, we traveled to Windsor and had this fact confirmed by a woman who had stayed at the same shelter as Cody and had dealings with Cody. Or is it Desiree or is it Garfield? We reached out to someone who's, uh, you know, knows about this shelter and mm -hmm. has friends here. And she told us, and I'm not making this up, yeah. I wish I were, mm -hmm. that right now this Cody Dentremont yep. is identifying as a cat. Yes, he is. <laughs> Yes. How, how does one identify as a cat? He dresses up as a cat? Or? Yeah, I believe he does. I've never seen him in dress up, but he does identify as a cat now. Man, woman, and cat. Unbelievable. But for the 20-something woke woman working at this shelter, this is a beautiful example of diversity. Uh, despite the sexual assault charges, uh, they still stand by Cody the Catwoman. And at one point, they threatened to call the police on us for asking insensitive questions. We just find it is egregious and outrageous that you're essentially letting the fox into the hen house, a biological male with women who, th th well, let's face it, this is a safe space for real women. And you don't have a problem with that. Also, it's not that. We also do have male clients here as well, okay. if they're a part of a family unit. But when it comes to transgender women, they are still women. And we take things very seriously when things happen to our clients and we go from there. But we do support trans women still regardless in general. So I'm not going to comment on this anymore. Okay. Because there is, I am uncomfortable that you guys are filming here. Okay. Regardless of you guys being on public property, respectfully, I think you guys just need to carry on. Well, Lady Lockrit's number, if you have any more questions, please don't film me. Thank you. Well, you're in a public place. No, I'm actually at my workplace, but please yeah. don't film me. Well, Thank there's you. there's no expectation of privacy in an open place okay, like so this, ma'am. we are going to have to call the police. Okay, for standing on a sidewalk? Don't film me. Okay, but you approached us, you interrupted us. I'm approaching you because you're filming my clients and our property. No, we're not filming your clients. You're, you're, you're quite wrong about that. And okay. what's your opinion of a biological man okay. staying with biological people? I'm no. just gonna call the police. You know, folks, I guess I blew it. In retrospect, instead of looking for Cody at Windsor Shelters, I think I should have dropped by the Windsor Humane Society. But again, there is a twist to the reasonable accommodation agreement when it comes to adopting the opposite gender, which is to say this, in 2023, Corrections Canada will indeed accommodate a 300-pound bearded biological male criminal who identifies as a female by allowing that man to serve his sentence at a female penitentiary. But if a female prisoner states that she identifies as a male and wants to serve out her sentence at Millhaven, well, guess what? Request denied. Why? Well, do you think the guards want to be working their asses off preventing that woman from getting gang raped? Amazing, isn't it? Yes, given the dire reality that would occur if a woman were to be incarcerated at a male correctional facility, all that diversity, equity, and inclusion garbage goes right into the dumpster. So what else can people identify as?
Well, how about a different race? Uh oh, wait a second, stop the clock. Just consider the curious case of Rachel Dolezal, the former director of the NAACP chapter in Spokane, Washington. Dozell is a white woman who has long self-identified as a black woman. And keep in mind that Dozell's intention was not to mock black people a la Justin Trudeau. Rather, she was always enamored with black culture, so much so that she desired to be black. So what happened when it became known that Dozell was actually Caucasian? Well, she was pilloried and bullied in social media and the mainstream media. She was also economically disciplined to the point that she needed food stamps just to get by. You see, Rachel Dozell was condemned as a, quote, race faker, end quote. How odd. Dozell is a race faker, but Ash Davis is not a gender faker. And Nicholas Sapita is not both a gender and age faker. And Cody Dentremont is not a species faker. Why? Those three individuals are all passing themselves off as counterfeit entities. Why are they celebrated by the usual suspects, whereas Dozell is crucified? And by the way, why is it that Justin Trudeau got off so lightly when he donned blackface so many times, in fact, that even he doesn't know what the right number is? You know, imagine if that had been Stephen Harper blackening his skin. That would probably still be front page news even today, four years after the discovery of those photos and videos that incri incriminated Trudeau. Oh, the hypocrisy. Oh, the double standards. And here's something to consider. Swimming's international governing body, World Aquatics, did the right thing recently by creating an open category for transgender athletes at the World Cup of Swimming in Berlin just last month. But get this. No transgender swimmers showed up to compete despite all of their ranting and raving over the years about reasonable accommodation. I think this is a red flag. Maybe many of these transgendered swimmers, they're really not all that gung-ho about actually, you know, swimming. Maybe they are sexual perverts who really like getting into change rooms to shower with minors of the opposite sex. And if that is indeed the case, this is grotesque to the nth degree. So let's recap the whiz-bang rules when it comes to transitioning. Identifying as a member of the opposite sex is quite jolly, except if a so-called trans man convict wants to serve her prison sentence in a male penitentiary, then it is not so jolly at all. A member of Homo sapiens can identify as another species, but another species cannot identify as a member of Homo sapiens, which is to say if I showed up to a Swimming Canada event with a pet alligator who identifies as a human, is that gator going to get into the pool? I don't think so. And finally, identifying as a member of a different race is strictly verboten, much to the chagrin of Prime Minister Blackface.
So there you have it, folks. These are the transitioning rules. Well, as of November 2023. And in closing, let me ask you this. As a resident of planet Earth, do you feel that you are currently residing in an open-air mental institution in which the lunatics are quite literally running the asylum? Last Sunday at Queen's Park in Toronto, about 200 Persians and Jews gathered for a pro-Israel rally. And then a not-so-funny thing happened, namely thousands of Hamas supporters crashed the event, creating a very unsafe situation indeed. And joining me now is someone who was the organizer of this pro-Israel rally, and someone who used to be a political prisoner in Iran, and that would be Salman Sima. Welcome to the Ezra Levent Show, Salman. Thank you for having me. So, Salma, what the heck happened on the grounds of the legislature that day? I sure didn't see any mainstream media coverage about this. So it was a Sunday, 29th of October, and uh, we organized a rod, uh, rally uh, on uh, honoring uh, Cyrus the Great uh, Legacy, which means uh, freedom, human rights, and peace. Thank you for everyone to coming here, okay? Thank you for everyone to accepting our invitation. Uh, police officer, forces to finish it sooner and the force of evils are coming from uh, downside of the street and it's really shame Canada is a country if you hunt for freedom they're gonna close your bank account but if you hunt for Hamas terrorists police gonna protect them by the way thank you police officer for keeping us safe thank you everyone for accepting our invitation united we stand divided we fall cyrus the great was the king of persia who ordered to write uh, first human rights charter 2500 years ago and he liberated uh, jews from uh, oppression under the uh, Babylon uh, Empire. So everything was fine. We started on time with all Canada. Everything was peaceful. You could see the love and unity between different communities, not just Jews and Persian. We had some friends from Cuban community, some friends from Indian community. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, one police officer to came to bully us and the police officer said to me that you need to shut down uh, your event uh, sooner. And uh, he, I said that, why? Of course, the excuse was uh, be, because of your safety. And I said, officer, I never trade my safety over freedom. I was political prisoner in Iran and uh, I stood on my guard. and. It was so funny because we had the permit and uh, Queen's Park uh, police, uh, because uh, we went in front of the, we were in, in front of the parliament at the area that needs permit. And 
why I uh, asked for permit, why uh, I uh, applied for permit, because uh, I need the protection. So the police officer came to bully us, and uh, uh, fortunately, uh, MP, MPP Goldie Gamari, MPP Michael Parsa, Minister Michael Parsa, and uh, my good friends, uh, the, we uh, stood on our guard. And after uh, police uh, failed to bully us, and after we hold the line for freedom and peace, uh, they bring an extra unit to protect us. And I believe uh, independent MP Kevin Vong was there as well. But the yes, Kevin the, was there. And the dynamics were: here you are, about two hundred of you having a genuinely peaceful uh, rally in support of Israel. And as I understand it, the pro-Hamas people, they were protesting down the street, down University Avenue, that is, at the U.S. consulate. And then they went north, they saw you, and in a very intimidating way, uh, they ran towards you. And, and that's when, as I understand, and I spoke to another person who was there, a former employee of Rebel News, as a matter of fact, um, the cops were saying, You've got to run. We can't protect you. It's, is that what you experienced? Yes, it was really shameful. And uh, I said uh, these sentences in the at the end of the rally. Uh, it's really shameful that uh, peaceful people who uh, honor human rights. What was the legacy of Cyrus the Great? Human rights. Uh, Cyrus uh, was the first one that uh, stood against uh, Jew hatred. We said that end Jew hatred, celebrate human rights, and uh, we want peace, eliminate Hamas. And uh, police came to bully us, but uh, no one said anything to the, that uh, 4,000 pro-Hamas crowd. And uh, really it's shameful that Canada is a country that if you hung for freedom, they're going to freeze your bank account. But if you hung for Hamas, police going to protect you in some case. It's unbelievable, Solomon. And, uh, you know, you're not exaggerating. I'm going to throw to a clip. It's uh, liberal MP Yara Sachs, who uh, basically said when the Freedom Convoy was in Ottawa, I'm not making this up. We've got the video evidence. Um, honking your horn twice was is an acronym, her words, for Heil Hitler. Here, check this out. How much vitriol do we have to see of honk honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do we need to see by these protesters on social media? So here is a liberal MP who is Jewish herself, who was demonizing and vilifying the Freedom Convoy uh, demonstrator, Salman, as being Nazis when we have Hamas. As, and I think you can uh, accurately describe that terrorist group as an Islamo-Nazi organization. And uh, so far, as far as I can tell, it's been silence from the likes of Yara Sachs. What is your take on this hypocrisy? Uh, unfortunately, uh, Canadian government, and uh, I can say that... Uh, both party it's not just a liberal or conservative issue they don't understand the real danger of uh, islamist jihadists you know that 
it's really dangerous. Uh, for 28 years, uh, I live under Sharia law. So it's not a matter of uh, Islam against uh, Jew or uh, any specific religion. It's a matter of terrorism and a matter of foreign influence. And uh, you can see the uh, growing uh, influence by uh, Muslim Brotherhood lobbies, uh, Islamic regime in Iran lobbies. And one of our uh, specific requests uh, in the rally was designate IRGC, Islamic Revolutionary Gord Corp, Gord Corp, uh, Guard Corp uh, under Criminal Code of Canada as a terrorist organization. And uh, I don't know that how Justin Trudeau, Yarasak, or hold the liberal caucus. They can say that, oh, we condemn anti-Semitism. Okay, thank you. Just it's a lip service. But when it comes to the action, they don't designate the most anti-Semite group, the most dangerous uh, group on the earth, IRGC, as a terrorist group uh, under Criminal Code of Canada. And you know that IRGC is responsible for uh, killing uh, Canadians. IRGC shoot the missiles uh, to the flight PS752 and uh, killed uh, more Canadians than Al-Qaeda in 9-11. But uh, Al-Qaeda is in the list, but IRGC is not in the list. And uh, I can say that uh, some uh, liberals MP just they delivering uh, lip service, vote yeah. with no any action. No, Salman, it's absolutely baffling that IRGC gets a pass in this country for reasons uh, I, I can't even imagine. But tell me, um, what is the connection with the Jewish and Persian communities? Um, I remember being at a rally, it was on Thanksgiving Day, actually, uh, at Mel Lastman Square, and I saw a, cons it was a pro-Israel rally, and I saw a, a considerable um, attendance of uh, Persian people. W what is the um, the dynamic going on there that Persians and Jews are getting together on this issue? Uh, first, uh, as I said that uh, Sunday, 29th of October, the rally that I organized uh, was under the Cyrus the Great Day. And uh, Cyrus was the uh, famous king of Persia. And uh, Iranian people love their history. And Cyrus was the guy that uh, liberated uh, Jews to, from uh, Babylon Empire. So we have common roots. We have a common his, uh, history in some cases. And uh, also we have same enemy. Who is the godfather of Hamas? Who is the godfather of Hezbollah in Lebanon? Who is the godfather of uh, Islamic Jihad in Palestine? All of them related uh, to Islamic regime in Iran. Khaled al-Mash'al, Hassan Nasrullah, Ismail Haniyeh, the leader of these organizations, these terrorist organizations. Several times publicly they admitted that, they admitted that uh, they are backed by IRGC, they are backed by Islamic regime in Iran. So I do believe that, and many Iranians inside Iran, they believe that we are fighting the same fight and uh, it's not just a matter of uh, Israel uh, against terrorism it's a matter of uh, human rights against uh, terrorism it's a matter of humanity and uh, if you want to stand uh, against the same enemy uh, and uh, we are all together Jews and Persian 
Jews and Iranians, Israel and Iranians, we are all uh, fighting against the same enemy, which is Islamic regime in Iran. Hamas terrorists in uh, Palestine. Yeah, and Salman, I think it's important uh, to differentiate the Iranian regime in Tehran with the Iranian people, probably the largest victim group of the Iranian regime. And you know, I've lived for 25 years in Richmond Hill, just north of Toronto. There is a significant Iranian population there. I think it's about 14%. And my experiences with the Persian community has been almost 100% positive. The one exception, Majid Johari, the MP, the Liberal MP for the riding of Richmond Hill, who supports the Iranian regime, who has had meetings with Iranian uh, politicians on Canadian soil. I mean... This is outrageous. How is it that such a person like that gets elected in a riding like Richmond Hill to begin with? So uh, this is the question that Majid Johari should answer to it. But uh, well, whenever let's, I try uh, to ask him a call... question, he phones the police on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in uh, June 2018, Canadian uh, Parliament, House of Commons, passed a motion to designate IRGC immediately uh, as a terrorist organization. And Majid Johari and Ali Ehsasi, both of them have an Iranian root MP. They didn't vote in favor of this motion. Hmm. Majid Johari was uh, in favor of uh, opening the embassy of the Islamic regime in Ottawa. And... uh, even Majid Johari, uh, when the Justin Trudeau just uh, elected, Majid Johari campaigned, petitioned against his own party. Why you don't rush to normalize the relationship uh, with the Islamic regime in Iran? And uh, it's really shameful that uh, we have a member of parliament that uh, they have close tie with Islamic regime in Iran. They have close tie with uh chinese communist party and uh some of them uh supporting uh, uh indirectly they support hamas and uh, you know that for example igra khaled or uh, omar al ghabra they have a, a good connection with islamists yeah, 100%. It is so shameful. You know, we're running out of time, Salman, so let's end it with this. Obviously, what the pro-Hamas demonstrators were trying to do on Sunday was frighten and intimidate the gathering for the pro-Israel event. Um, my question to you, uh, do you think they're going to get their way? Do you think people are going to stop showing up to pro-Israel events? And and for you, uh, my friend, um, are you going to silence yourself in terms of this kind of mob rule intimidation? I'm going to answer the same answer that I gave to the police officer who tried to bully us. Uh, I didn't cave uh, in front of the terrorists uh, in Iran. Uh, I don't cave uh, in front of terrorists here. We stood on guard for peace and freedom on Coins Park, and we will do it again. We don't cave uh, again uh, in front of uh, pro-Hamas terrorist mobs. 
Uh, well, stay safe, my friend. And again, in the department of double standards and hypocrisy, these people who are demonstrating their love for a terrorist group, Hamas, I don't hear any calls to freeze their bank accounts. I don't hear any calls to arrest people uh, or put them a la Tamara Leach into solitary uh, confinement. Um, it, it's just absolutely remarkable. But listen, I know you're a fearless freedom fighter. So you stay safe out there, my friend, and let us know at, uh, when the next rally is. We'll come out to cover it, okay? Thank you so much, David, and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Thank you, Salman. of feedback regarding Ezra's uh, monologue on the massive demonstration, pro-Hamas demonstration, that is, that took uh, place on Saturday over in London, England. Dilligaff writes, if these people are so in favor of Palestine, why are they protesting on the safe streets of Western countries when they could go back and help fight? Cowards. Yep, I think uh, maybe it's cowardice and maybe it's hypocrisy too. Uh, it's easy to run your mouth off in a democratic society. Um, not so easy to go to some of these regimes where, uh, well, the freedoms we take for granted aren't freedoms at all. And Willie Nuts 6658 writes, deport, deport, deport. You know, we've been running a deport Hamas uh, campaign and folks, you can go to deporthamas.com and you can put your name on that petition. And what it's in regard to is the number of foreign nationals in North American, European, Australian cities that are basically saying the most vile garbage. And you're allowed to do that. But I think my line in the sand is when you advocate death to an individual or group of individuals. And I think the worst example of that was in Sydney, Australia last month, where we actually heard the chant, gas the Jews. I think if you're a foreign national, many are on student visas and you're going to advocate for violence. Sorry, pack your bags and leave. And finally, here's an email uh, regarding Ezra's uh, interview with a Socialist Party representative in London, Olivia writes, our socialist friend appears to be there to promote his own agenda. Just another opportunity for his organization to bang its own drum. His partisan approach doesn't allow him to damn the actions of Hamas. Yeah, it's really odd, isn't it? Who is becoming allies of a terrorist group? You have the socialists on one hand, and even more inexplicable are some members of the LGBTQ, et cetera, et cetera, community. Try being queer in Palestine. Try being queer in the Gaza Strip. See what fate that brings you. To me, some of these people supporting Hamas, it's kind of like chickens having a march in support of Colonel Saunders. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of the Ezra Levent Show, The Big Boss Man. He'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, as always, 
Stay safe and stay sane.